Go. Bah. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. On my way over here, I just finished the push in audiobook format. Oh, excellent. And that was phenomenal. That's part of what we're talking about. And you just took your shoes off. I did, yeah. But they're not even your, like, like your, they're not even your sense. They're, like, some running shoes. They are Mammut trail running shoes. Mammut makes trail running shoes? They do. Does the game look low to you? Game looks a little low, but... Turn it up a little bit. Uh, no, I don't think we want to go any higher than that. Okay. All right. Sounds like we're, we're on a roll. Okay, so, uh... You're looking at it very inquisitively. Well, I I never know the difference between the omnidirectional and the like bidirectional on I'm, the mic. I'm pretty sure because one is like an infinity sign, and one is two slightly overlapping circles, so it's about the same. <laughs> it's about the same, but I'm pretty sure this is the bidirectional because I switched it from what we were on last week, or last time, two weeks ago, when we had a guest and we wanted to be on omnidirectional. Fair enough. So I think we're on bi. Hopefully this will work. If not, I'll turn the volume up later. Okay. Uh, Fix it in post. That's what I always say. Uh, unless the sound's not there, in which case you can't fix it, but we'll, we'll do our best. Uh, I was super nervous when I was when I was editing the last one of these, because, like, when I was um, when I was editing, I was also moving photos, and so the MP3 sounded like it was, like, in the middle of it. I'm like, this is not good. But uh, it turns out it was just my computer fun- malfunctioning, not actually the sound that we recorded. I was nervous because it was our first time doing the omnidirectional stuff. Anyways, welcome to South Beta Podcast, one man's journey to understand the or to untangle the knot that is the climbing community with his co-host, who occasionally knows the answers to his climbing-related questions. How did you do? I think you did it. <laughs> uh, that was a solid uh, B minus. Like, you gave it that high. I would go like a C minus. Uh, all right, but I thought that was good. Oh, man. So a lot has happened since the last time we were in here. Um, Did you say a lot has happened? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> a lot has happened. Uh, the first is my, my climbing coach, Adriel, who started listening to the podcast, says that I am very different um, in podcast than I am in, like, real life. Does he think that you're much more reasonable in podcast? <laughs> uh, he thinks in podcast that I'm really, like, self-deprecating and that like in real life I'm not I'm like a little bit more confident and knowledgeable I think that's the way that he put it that's possible I'm surprised you convinced him to listen to it well it's been helpful because we've readjusted the goals I think (laughs) well he's gained a deeper insight into your mind by listening to me talk about climbing apparently which is what he comes down yeah you know he had a drive down he was sitting for a comp down in uh, Santa Barbara so he drove down and he he needed to listen to something apparently we kept him awake that's it. good. I find that the mental stimulation of listening to people talk and trying to understand their perspectives and learn from them definitely is more stimulating to me than just listening to music. Uh, I go. I have to oscillate between the two. Like I can't do one or the other. Like I'll listen to voice for a couple of hours, the music for like half an hour, and the voice for another couple of hours, and the music for half an hour. I've definitely almost gotten to that point, but for the most part, I'm just like. Voices all the time. Okay. Um, I had... Doug uh, Loves Movies? Doug Loves Movies, one of my favorite podcasts. Been listening for like... Crime Town? Ten years. Crime Town also... Did you finish yet? I haven't finished it yet. I'm like saving uh, it for something special, I think. Well, we can't talk about it until you finish it. Oh, I have to talk. I have to listen to the rest of it so we can talk about the end? Yeah, I can't... I mean, I, there's only like four episodes that I have left. 
Okay, so finish those four episodes, then we can chat. All right. All right. Um, well, I think you. Do you have, are you driving next week? Uh, nope. Okay. Well, then maybe you will not have the time to drive or to listen to it on your traveling. Yeah, I mean, I took one day off from work, so I got three days. I'm going to Arizona. I'm going to see my family. Um, if I were to drive, I would have, I would lose twelve hours on each end. So well, basically. Either drive through the night, which I don't really do anymore, or uh, one day of visit and two days of driving, which sounds like total crap. Yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, question, uh, where in Arizona are you going? Uh, north of Tucson, but you, not Phoenix. <laughs> can you look and see if there's a Temple Coffee and bring me back some beans? Temple of Coffee? It's called, I think, no, oh, sorry, not Temple. Temple is in Sacramento. The place I'm thinking about is called Cartel. Cartel Coffee in Arizona is phenomenal. Okay. You text me the location you'd like me to go, and I will respond whether or not it fits into my itinerary. There's a couple of locations, so I will text you a couple of locations. You tell me if any of them are close to you. Okay. I will, well, I mean, it's very easy to tell if it's close to me. I'm landing in Phoenix, renting a car, and driving to Tucson. Well, if you're landing in Phoenix, they have a sh- shop in the airport. Which airline are you flying? It's in the Southwest Terminal. Uh, Alaska. Okay. Well, I can tell you where it is. Okay. It's easy. Um, but anyways, they have some good stuff. I like their cold brew ones. They do some good beans. And I'm in the habit now. I started doing this other thing where I get up in the morning, and even though I don't necessarily drink coffee before I climb, I brew coffee for the openers and bring it in for the openers at the gym. That's very nice of you. Yeah, I'm making friends. Paul loves me. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah. Michelle is uh, skeptical of some of the blends that I bring in. To be fair, some of the blends I bring in are pretty bad. I'm, like, going through old beans now. I'm starting to get new beans again. So it's, like, some of the blends have been old or, like, not good, and I'm just trying to get rid of the bean. Yeah. All right. But they're still happy to have coffee because it's free hot coffee that they're not normally getting. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like being your friend is kind of this, like, double-edged sword. Okay, what's the what's the good edge? <coughs> what's the good edge? I like that you asked that question first. Like you weren't you weren't like, well, I really understand that the negatives, but what's the good part about being friends with me? Uh, we get to do this. It's fun. Hang out. Yeah, yeah. We also hang out outside of this. Eventually, we're gonna go climb together. We, I was. I'm in Yosemite next weekend while you're in Arizona. Oh yeah. Well, you still have yet to cash in on the uh, the bet that I lost. I keep you. on trying to. It's going to be. I'm trying you to haven't tried once. I tried. You were in Arizona. Uh, oh, I didn't. You didn't even know that you were trying. Uh, that's you what just, that was. Just asked me what I was doing next weekend, and I said I'm in that's Arizona. That's my attempt. If you're if you were around, I would have gotten you. I'm trying to find anybody to take me up lead climbing or even sport climbing in Arizona. Chris is the only one who said he may be interested. In Arizona? Not Arizona. Sorry, in Yosemite. I have a campsite for one night in Yosemite. And Linda got it, and so, like, I have a... You ex- have a van. What do you need a campsite for? we, we got to park the van somewhere. Yeah, you park it just outside the park. There's spots. I need to get more information on that. Well... But we'll talk about it. If only you knew someone who occasionally knew the answers to your questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I know the spot right above the 120 entrance. There's, like, that little lot. Yeah. Um, assuming there's, like, some pullouts in El Portal that I, that I haven't seen. A little bit past El Portal, but yeah. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> so American. El Portal. Je parle français. I don't speak it. I don't speak Spanish. I speak <laughs> French. <laughs> but even so, man. I'm working on it. 
<laughs> At least I know that J's don't always sound like J's when you when they're in Spanish words. Okay. I'm learning. So, anyways, that's that's coming up. So I I'm gonna, I'm trying to find anybody, but uh, Walker's out with a back thing. Um, let's see. I tried to reach out to you. I tried to get Cam, but apparently Cam only climbs sports stuff and boulders. Yeah, he pretty was, much. He wasn't into it. Uh, Denery, I think, only the sport again. Um, I don't know who else I was asking, but I, I asked around. Okay. Um, so I feel like now that I don't go to PG Sunnyvale regularly, but I see you semi-regularly and you go there all the time, that what is happening in my life is filtered through you in terms of being communicated to the staff that who all know me at PG Sunnyvale. Sorry, so, so like I, I talk to them and they're like, "Wow, we heard this." I'm like, "Where did you hear that?" Oh, we heard it from Zach. I'm like, oh. <laughs> this is this is the other edge of the sword that I'm talking about. What, what are we talking? Is and this like, like my talking shit about my Nick? life is being communicated to people that who know me through your filter? What about I, I told people that you talk shit about Nick for rock, uh, for the thing? What else? So I can't keep track of it, man. It's okay. so much. Every once in a while, someone will be like, oh, I heard this. And like, I'm like, who told you that? And it was Zach. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm... People I didn't even know knew you. Oh, oh, you're talking about that incident. Okay, so this is a great incident. We're going we're gonna to delve into the Tommy Caldwell thing in a minute because uh, that's, I think, the purpose of this conversation today. I want to talk about... Um, oh, I want to talk about m- my... Understanding relationship and appreciation of great cli- of great climbers, mm-hmm. and and kind of how, it, how like what the right way to, to be respectful in the community is. It's an interesting question, um, but but before we do that, I was at the event. I, apparently, there's a thing called uh, Bay Area Climbing Association, Climbers Coalition, Climbers Coalition, and I'm over there talking to to one of the women there, and she goes. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, I have a podcast. Uh, maybe we should bring you on. We should talk about it. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, I do it with you. Know, do you know Evan Pierce? And they, she's like, oh, Evan? He's like, we're like BFFs. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, well, he has a podcast about rock climbing. She's like, and and I said, and what about video games? She's like, I didn't know he had a podcast. I didn't know he had either podcast. I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like you're really that BFFs anymore. <laughs> wow. So that's how that started. Are you BFFs with this person? They're going to be really hurt if you don't say yes right now. I mean, I already told her that I thought BFF was a pretty strong definition of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that required a knee slap. So. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, I also called when I was leaving the gym to try and talk to you, but uh, they didn't, your staff is very good about not directing me to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they learn, yeah. They like, learn very well. Because they all know. I walked out there and told them that if that creep calls, he has my cell phone. Don't transfer him to me. He's just being a weirdo. I don't know if it's being... Is weirdo the right word? Because that's kind of hurtful. Pest. Pest is a better word. I think pest is a much better <laughs> word. Like, I'm I'm full, wholeheartedly in on the pest side of things. Weirdo is, like, mean, but, like, I'm definitely trying to be a pest. Yeah, there we go. All right. I d- I've done. I, d- I kind of thought weirdo was the less <laughs> offensive. No, 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 no. Weirdo, weirdo's way more offensive than pest. Pest is like the one that bothers me. Weirdo's like, yeah, I agree with that one. <laughs> he's he's not he's not disturbed. He's relatively normal, but obnoxious. Yeah, I know that definitely fits me. Okay, 
I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that definition and representation. But yeah, I've, I did that the other week too to try and talk to Kyle. Kyle was very smart and redirected me to email. Ah, uh, okay. I called and I said, can I speak to Kyle? Or actually I said, can I speak to Nick? And they said, no, Nick's not in, but Kyle is. I'm like, oh, can I speak to Kyle? They're like, who is this? And I'm like, it's Zach. He's like, what is this regarding? Acroyoga? <laughs> Kyle's like, Kyle tells him to get back on the phone. Uh, Kyle says he's pretty busy. Do, would you mind sending him an email? I'm like, okay. But I didn't know what his email was. So I hung up and then I realized I had to ask him next time I was in there. And I got it. Currently it's K Hernandez at Planet Granite. That is correct. I just gave out Kyle's email address. Everybody send Kyle a nice note. He's awesome. He's very nice. He's very friendly. He gives me much less of a hard time than you used to. So far. I, I think that he's just known you for less time. <laughs> but I, I, I think uh, he'll figure it out. <laughs> I think he's slowly learning. Like Again, with that like email me, don't, don't talk to me type thing. But, uh, but yeah. And then I sent him a really formal email about Aqua Yoga, which was pretty funny. Anyways, delving into the... I feel like it's really easy to be funny in emails because your audience is only one... It's two people. It's yourself and one other person. You don't really have to make your uh, jokes universal. Yeah, but I let other people read my email, so it's not really me and just one other person. Especially when I send them to either Nick, Kyle, or you. All right. When I, when I send them to Nick, Kyle, you or you... never sent me an email. <laughs> At least not in my new position. No, I don't think you're in your new position. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't bother people in Belmont all that much. Yeah, you're I was not gonna, here. Well, so my friend Amy was going to climb with me today, but she uh, is probably training her kid and was too busy and needed sleep. So if she had said, I asked her if she wanted to climb tomorrow instead of today, she said yes. But if she'd said no, I would have come up to Belmont and annoyed you today. Oh, okay. Speaking of which, are you working on the Planet Granite Challenge coins that I've asked for? No. Okay, we should definitely talk about that later. Um, we will not. I feel like we will talk about it if I bring it up, and you may ignore it. But if I ignore it, are we really talking about it? It happened while the two of us were there. It's talking about it. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, so uh, the thing that I wanted to bring up this week, and this is something we, we actually started talking about this over text message today. Um, I knew that Tommy Caldwell was coming to Planet Granite uh, this week, and so I downloaded his book on Audible, like, last week, or the, when as soon as it came out. And I've been going through it, and I've been listening to it. And it's, it's, it was a really powerful book. Like, I highly recommend it. It's called The Push. Um, and it's, it's really, you know, I expected it to be a little bit more about climbing. It's a really emotional book. I've, like, I teared up a bunch of times while driving. There's some really, like, really emotional parts in the book. Uh, I highly recommend it, either whether you read it or... Uh, you know, listen to it on tape, but uh, I think I think in retrospect, after going to the event and hearing him read some sections, I think it would have been better if he read it, somebody else read it for him, like like they had somebody narrate it. Um, and his voice is better than the guy who narrates it, in my opinion, for the words that are coming out. But I still, I still really enjoyed the book. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, if it's not about climbing as much, what is it about? So it's about him and his life and how he got to where he is. And it's actually, as a climber, you know that there's inner dialogue going on while you're climbing. There's there's dialogue in your head. I need to make this move. I need to place this foot. I need to zone out other things. Before you get on the wall, there's thoughts that you're having. It's much more about those thoughts and the thoughts about life 
than it is about the actual climbing. And it's about the realizations that one has while they're putting themselves through these physical endeavors. It's really very powerful. So he talks about Kyrgyzstan when he got kidnapped mm-hmm. when he was there climbing. He talks about his uh, first marriage. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, separating from his wife. He talks about, you know, accepting the, the product of the Don Wall. Um, he talks about doing the Don Wall. He talks about his relationship with his climbing partners. You know, it's it's clear to me. I mean, I come up with several questions. My first question of which being, you know, at one point his wife, his current wife, says that she won't marry anybody who's not Christian. And he says that he's gone to church and he's meeting with a pastor and the pastor married them. But I, he never really said whether or not he's Christian. And so I'm kind of curious about that. It's a very personal question. But he opened it with the door of the of the book and didn't actually tell me whether or not the answer was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is he, he kind of alludes to his relationship with, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, Kevin Jorgensen. Yeah. Um, he alludes to the relationship and talks about their relationship. And, well, he talks about it and he talks about, about how conflicting that relationship was in terms of Kevin being younger, Kevin being, uh, you know, a lot more into the business side and him being more into the the pure, it's hard to use the word spiritual, but like old school version of the climbing world. I just, I never really get to the end of where I feel like I fully understand the dynamic of their relationship. And that's not really giving anything away. You need to read the book, but um, there's, I have questions about that. I'd like to know more. Well, I mean, you're talking about a really deep, complex relationship. You know, you're talking about people that are spending, you know, going up on the wall for, you know. Months at a time, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not up there for months at a time. Well. They may be up there for like nine, ten days at a time. Yeah. And, you know, they are pushing their very limits and feeling very intense Drive. I mean, they both are obviously a super driven athletes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they both have, you know, are are trying to achieve something. And so there's, you know, they're going through these very high levels of uh, accomplishment and the very like sense of frustration and not being able to complete something that you know is doable. Um, and also exploratory. And there's the, you know, there's both a companionship in the you know, the actual, like, physical activities that you're going through, but then also in terms of, like, working together to solve problems and to find a solution that works for both parties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a lot of what this is. Like, they need to figure out how to do the moves on all these pitches, and they're going to do it yeah, yeah. together. And it's not just Kevin that's working on it. It's it's Tommy as well. And so, like, you know, like, something that Tommy might find easy, maybe Kevin finds difficult. Yeah. So... There's there's a lot that you're going through, and uh, you know, you ha- obviously are forming this sort of intense relationship. But I think that sometimes the the mere act of what you're doing, like, just sort of burns away the other differences you might have. Um, yeah, but I I, I think I, I was just gonna say that like I, you're like, oh, I don't think it fully explains the di- you don't fully understand the dynamic of that relationship. And I think that you know, given that that relationship was, you know burned into existence and and really formed and, you know, forged 2,000 feet off the ground trying to climb some of the most difficult free trad pitches around um, is really going to, you know, it's like it's almost no one else is going to understand that dynamic. Like, even if you, like, try to explain it, you're not going to fully understand it. Yeah. 
I I get that. It it just it. I still have. I would love to hear his side. Of, like I'd love to hear Kevin's side of the story as well. Like I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear what he thinks because there's a lot of times where where um, Tommy's talking about you know his emotion towards Kevin and how he's really trying to help Kevin and how he doesn't know how to connect with him. And so I'm interested to hear. I would be interested to hear how Kevin felt about that. Like I wonder. I wonder if he felt like that. You know he felt connected or he, you know, whatever it may be. And there's something to be said for that. Anyways, great book. Lots more than what I can say in, you know, in our podcast. Uh, Highly recommend that you find a way to listen to it. It's interesting. This is the second podcast I've heard recommend the book. Oh, really? What was the first one? Men in Blazers, a podcast about soccer. Really? They recommended The Push? Yeah. It's awesome. So now you gotta... And then Tommy Caldwell interviewed on their podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. I wonder what it would take for us to get Tommy Caldwell on here. But that's that's really that's actually the Some notion. Serious schmoozing, man. <laughs> Working on it. I the the thing that I, I think is interesting for me with this is there have been so I went to see the event on Thursday. So Tommy for those who don't know, Tommy Caldwell on his book tour stopped at Planet Grant Sunnyvale on Thursday at noon um, and read a couple sections, talked about the book. Did a little uh, slideshow for his uh, his film that's going to come out later. They're hoping it's going to be at Cannes. Um, it was really great to kind of see him. And I was there. I was there climbing. So uh, I was there climbing. I did some work in the morning, and then I climbed ten to twelve, and then the thing was at twelve, and then I went to work afterwards. Okay. Um, and so I was there climbing when he showed up, and like I was too intimidated to go over and talk to him because I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bother him. You know, it's like he's there, he wants to, he's like, I thought I'd climb a little bit before I got. So he was out there bouldering a bit. I didn't want to go over and bother him. Seems fair to me. Um, and then while he was talking, you know, he kind of mentioned several times about how he doesn't like the the limelight or doesn't like the, God, it's not the attention, but like this is, he just doesn't, he, and in the book he talks about it too, he doesn't, he doesn't understand the whole like fame side of being a climber as much, or, like, it's not something he embraces it. He doesn't necessarily do the climbing for the fame. Um, oh, I'm sure that that's the case. Right. But, so, like, he feels a little awkward in those situations, but he is a incredibly talented speaker, and he's very charismatic both in his writing and his, you know, speaking. Um, but I, you know, afterwards I kind of, I, everybody online, to, well, first of all, they sold out of books, so I couldn't go over and get a book, so, like, bought and signed. And I was, like, really upset about that. They had, like, little cards that you could get signed and you could put in your book. I'm like, this isn't real. I'm not going to do this. So they sold out of books. They only brought, like, two boxes of books, and they were sold before the event started. But you were there before the event started. I was climbing. Like, I, was, I went up a route. I saw them open up the books. And before I got down the route, the books were all gone. Uh, that sounds like a parable. Or a, a the point is, like, other people need the book and other people gain more from this measure for me, so I'm not necessarily hurt. I was already oh, okay. listening to the book. I will get the book. If I ever run into him again, I'll get him to sign it. Sounds good. But, uh, but he, he was re- it was a really great event. I got some pictures. I'll put them with the blog for this. I'll put them up. I'll find a way to get them up there. I always say that, and then I never do. I'm actually going to do it this time. <laughs> okay. Um, I also got a great picture of, uh, Cam while I was there, which was awesome. Yeah, it's way more important. Because he's my nemesis. And I, I, actually, I was kind of saying that to Cam afterwards. It's like, I cherish the moments I get to spend with, let's say, like you or Cam or someone who's like who's real to me, who I get to have this experience with. You know, it's awesome that I got to see Tommy Caldwell, and I think what he's done is amazing. But I have a hard time... I don't feel like I'm ever going to have a real moment with him, especially in a situation like that. 
feel like it's impossible to have a real moment. But why? Well, I mean, all right, a situation like that, it is really, it's really, really freaking hard to have a, a real moment because it's the, the whole situation is so artificial, right? Like, it's literally a book signing. Like, you know, you're there to see, to see Tommy Caldwell, and every person who's there to see Tommy Caldwell is, is seeing Tommy in this, like, oh, he is, they have some picture of him in their mind that is based on his accomplishments and maybe a few sound bites and what he looks like, and it's rarely based on who he is as a real person. Mm -hmm. And he is a real person, and he's someone who isn't necessarily super comfortable with forming superficial 30-second relationships. Right. And... You know, if you, he also doesn't, he knows that you view him as something other than what he really is. As much, as hard as you might try to view him as he really is. Yeah. It, you know, like. No, I can't possibly know who he really is. But that's the thing that's, that's the thing that gets me is like, I, I want to know who, like, I kind of want to know who people really are. So, I'm sorry that I'm going to use Cam as an example, but like, Cam is one of these guys who like, I just, when I first started climbing, his routes were CC. And I knew him as CC. And whenever I got on a route, it was impossible. I looked down like, who set this OCC? Of course it's impossible. There's no way I'm going to be able to climb this. He was just my nemesis. He was my nemesis for a very long time. Uh-huh. And then uh, right before he left for the first time, I went up and shook his hand and said, thank you. I'm going to miss your routes. They were some of the most challenging ones for me. Um, good luck on your travels. And, of course, he showed back up. Um, and we started, like, I started giving him crap. Um, and it's still to the point where nowadays where I climb, you know, every day I climb and I climb a CC route, I keep track of the score of how many climbs that I get and how many climbs he gets me off of, like how many times I, like how many ones I actually fall on. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I, of course, ones that are in my range are, are the ones that I count, right? Oh, so, okay. So 9, 10, A, B, C, D, I'll count. Anything in the 11 range, I'll be like, okay, of course he's going to win. But, uh. But yeah, and then I tell him whenever I see him at the end of the day because like he's normally sitting on the days that I climb. So I say, "Hey Cam, scores one nothing today. I'm winning. Man, you're kicking my butt today, Cam. I got zero, you got two, type thing." But like those moments are real. Those are real moments where like we chat about stuff and we like we actually like I know that he likes. Um, he's he's practicing this like little flippy game with like a ball and a stick that you like. That's his practice these days. He has a lot of fun with that. Kendama. Yeah, whatever that is. He doesn't even know what it's called. And then. <laughs> He also likes, like, these crazy, like, Gaelic or Irish sports that we talk about, too. So, so like, those are real moments. That's a real moment. Yeah, well, I mean, like, how do you expect to have a real moment with Tommy Caldwell? It's a book signing. Like, yeah. he's going to give a presentation. You might get to shake his hand, say a few things. Like, I mean, how do you feel like you could have a real moment with someone with a 15 yeah. to 30-second interaction? Like, so... so- and like that's that's what like I, you know I'm like I don't know what you expected out of this. I didn't expect anything. Like I didn't I didn't really expect anything. But I, I'll I'll tell you this. Well, I don't know. I mean, the the way uh, you were talking about it made it seem like you did expect something. Or, no, I or didn't that realize that I didn't expect anything until I got there. But like once I got there and once I realized it, and like everybody's in line to shake his hand, and like that feels fake to me. I just decided I wasn't going to do it. Like I didn't get in line. I didn't shake his hand. I that didn't feel right. Like I'm like if I ever meet him, if I ever have a conversation with him. And I shake his hand. I, I would like to at least like look into his eyes and not overwhelm him. And I feel like there's no way to do that in that type of scenario. So like, I, I felt great because I got to hear him read his book. And so when I heard this other guy reading his book, I kind of understand the voice better, uh-huh. which I felt was really helpful. 
Uh, there were a couple of passages they talked about, like he talked about what he used to, like how he adjusted his diet. And so like there's parts of the stuff that come from the book that I'm like, I'm not sure if they're him telling me in the book or him tell, or him saying in person to the group, which are really cool. Um, yeah, I found out that his, you know, his son's obviously named for Fitzroy, not Fitzroy, and his daughter has no name, uh, no namesake, just they like this under the name Ingrid. Okay. So I found out, I found out some personal things about him. I mean that's that's all you can really hope for at something like this. Like to to they when you meet someone that is the focal point of a crowded room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're not even really meeting them; you're seeing them in person. Uh, the most you can hope for is that they give you something that builds a little bit of a personal connection to them, sure. because you. You can't create, I mean, like, maybe one or two people there can build a personal connection with them. Right. Because, but usually that's with somebody who is, you know, a part of something larger that already has a connection to that person, right? Yeah. So if, if you're part of the organization or if you have, I mean, like the Bay Area Climbers Coalition, like they can introduce themselves like, oh, hey, we're the part of this organization. He's like, oh, I've heard of the work that you do, blah, blah, blah. And then you have that a little bit stronger connection. You You get that time to build a connection or you have a starting point whereas like you or i walk up to tommy caldwell and we're like hey i'm so and so i also climb yeah, yeah and i climb grades that are like 17 grades I, lower than what you climb i've and seen, only in the gym <laughs> i've seen el cap too you know like Pretty much. Uh, i mean those things like you just you don't have the, you don't have a starting point that gets you anywhere in such a short period of yeah. time. And there's just so many people that, you know, even if he wanted to, he couldn't do it. So That's the, that's the thing that he was saying in person. He said, like, you know, two weeks after he was done, like, finishing El Cap, 80-year-old women would come up to him and talk to him about how inspirational his, his climb was. He's like, that's kind of not the market that we, you know, that we thought we had. I thought that was I thought that was interesting, but but did so he, he seem like he he appreciated yeah, that it, it was? Like or, he did. Yeah, so he appreciate, and I don't think he doesn't appreciate. It. Like that's the whole thing. I don't think he doesn't appreciate. It, but I think if there's a line of people, you know, waiting to shake his hand, I don't think one more person in line is going to change his appreciation level for the event. And you know, I just I you know, I l- listen. It was great to see him. I'm really happy he came, but I didn't feel like I needed to shake his hand. But the, here's the here's the bigger question. These guys obviously have stuff that I can learn from. Is there a way, when running into them, obviously not in that situation, but is there a way to to um, to learn from them, to get something from them, to have a real conversation? In person? So the other example that I have of this is when I was climbing in Yosemite last time with Linda, we saw uh, Alex Honnold hop out of his van and go attack something. And, you know, I was at that point, he was in his van, and hopping out and about to get on the wall with the film crew. Um, not the best time to, to kind of talk to him, but I just kind of feel like there's something to learn from these guys in terms of how they control and handle their anxiety and their fear, and I'd like to know more about it and like to know more about, like, I mean, Alex Honnold is no big deal Honnold. Everybody calls him no big deal Honnold. Everything he says, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But he's got to know that other people out there don't feel the same way about the stuff that he's talking about. The stuff that he's talking about is a big deal to some of us, and so how does he personally not see it as a big deal? Well, I mean, so for one is that these guys are, they're just climbers. They're regular people, honestly. Like, for the most part, climbers, like, you know, when you get somebody who is, 
you know, famous for acting or something yeah. like that. Like, they they went into that hoping for fame, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, they wanted, they're interested in the craft, but also, like, you were hoping to strike a resonance and have a lot of people really like what you're doing, right? When And when you're a climber, that is not your goal. You know, Tommy Caldwell didn't, start on the Donwall project because he thought, you know what, if I do this, a ton of people will really, really like me and admire what I did. Right. He got on it, and then you can correct me if I'm wrong because I actually haven't read his book, but I'm 98% confident he got on it because he was looking for the next thing for him that he wanted to accomplish. He got on it, according to the book, he got on it because he was going through a really tough time with his divorce. And this was a massive project that he didn't think he could do. And that's the thing for him, right? Yeah. It's it's he didn't he didn't go into it looking for all that stuff. So when when climbers sort of achieve that level of fame, it's generally not because that's what they were aiming for. Yeah. It's generally because they just achieved at a super high level. And it's, you know, like the people that achieve at a super high level aren't necessarily the best people to, you know, like give a slideshow or be a public speaker. Like I'm not saying that those those crowds don't overlap, but, you know, you weren't, you know, like you didn't build your life around being in front of people and being adored and and having people admire what you do. Like you that is a side effect, right? And so I, I think agree. a lot of these people, like, they live these kind of, like, sort of solitary, like, under the radar. I mean, like, and even as a climber, like, let's say, like, we talk about Honnold. He's someone who lives in, a, I mean, he essentially is a homeless person, right? He lives in his van. Yeah. I mean, not anymore, but he went through, like, maybe 10 years yeah. where he was essentially a homeless person, and, you know, when you live in a van and you're a climber, like, you're like, oh, like, where do I park my van tonight so no one breaks in? And Like, oh, like, you know, Walmart has security patrols, and they keep the lights on all night, and they don't care if anyone parks there overnight. So, you know, I'll park at Walmart, right? right. Like, these are, that's the kind of people who we're now talking about as being famous people that we're trying to interact with who are, like, being interviewed on television and stuff. And, like, so... <laughs> there's a great... Like, if, you, great... if you're looking at Alex Honnold, who's living in his van, like, he mostly... Like, if he sees you at the crag, he's happy to talk with you. He's a pretty nice guy. But, like, he mostly does not want a bunch of people coming up to him and asking for autographs. Like, honestly, just wants to chill. I'm not saying thing. I want his autograph. I'm saying that there's something to be said for understanding this person better. And and I want to understand this person better than what I can get from either... Like, because a book is one-sided. A book is him telling me, right? And and then, like, TV interviews are always overly manufactured. I'm looking to find ways to... to and maybe I can't do it with everybody, because if everybody's trying to do it with every famous climber, like, no famous climber would have any time for their life at all. But I'm looking for a way to kind of meet some of these people and maybe have a couple of conversations with them. And they don't need to be long conversations, but like 20-minute conversations about like... But I'm curious as to why you think you need to approach a climber of that level to gain that knowledge. Like you, So you're talking like, no. you're like, oh, like, well, why, why is this thing not a big deal to you when it's a big deal to other people? Whereas you can look at me, yeah, who you know well, and I do a lot of things that people are like, holy crap. Like, you did th- you did what? 
And I'm like, oh, I didn't think it was a big deal. <laughs> right? And I was saying, like, it's the same thing. It's just at a different level. Like, and I'm not saying that I'm anything like Alex Honnold, but, like, I have done plenty of things where people are like, damn, that's crazy. Why did, how would you do that? Yeah, and I'm not saying that, like, those people who said that are, like, accomplished rock climbers, but at the same time, like, yeah. you, you, when you, the things that you want to know from these people, you can find from other people well, who you have a connection with. Already. I definitely, I mean, I'm beginning to realize that. I mean, I think, yes, I, I'm beginning to, and, and I'm sorry that I don't, I haven't appreciated this relationship as much as I should have. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, like, but like when we had Bridget in last week, and we had or two weeks ago, and we had that conversation with her, that was some really powerful shit. Like, that was, that was some really impressive stuff that we got to talk through. And it's definitely stuff with fear. And, like, I climbed this week when she was there, and she, like, she was super motivational to me and helped me do this. I was doing this doing this 11AB jug haul on lead. First of all, Adriel has realized that, like, for me, leading is what I love. Like, it is more badass. I feel better doing it. I love to lead. So, thankfully, he's putting me back on that, which is, like, I'm really excited about. Um, and I probably could have just asked because... You know, I'm his client. He's my coach. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, like, he'd listen to the podcast and realize that that's really what I like. Uh, but, you know, I was climbing this 11A jug hall, which is really like a 10, 10B. Um, but Bridget was really cheering me on, and that was really great. Bridget yeah. and Joey. And Joey, they were both giving me, you know, tips. I was going through like, as soon as I do a clip, as soon as I get to a clip, I take a really deep breath in it before I move to the next one. And I tried that the next time through, and it really helped. Yeah, I mean... The, but so the, that's the thing is like I, I think you see these people as symbols and they're at the pinnacle and they're it sort of puts I think uh, the questions that you have about them in a really stark contrast because everyone has those same questions so you look at Honold and you're like oh man he does this thing and he says it's no big deal but everyone knows it's no big deal uh, like but you can find plenty of people around you that do things that you're like, wow, that's crazy. And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. And you can find out from them the same things that you would find out from him. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I can't. I think that's not the problem that I have. Like, that is a problem I have, right? Let's not lie. That's a problem I have. I think the bigger issue is how do I, when I see these people, like, not get starstruck, how do I, if I do get an opportunity to talk to them, actually have a conversation with them? And then how do I do that in a way that doesn't make them feel uncomfortable? Like, is there a possible way? Like, if I run into Tom Caldwell in, you know, in Yosemite someday, is there a way that I can have a conversation with him that's not like, oh, Tommy Caldwell, you're amazing, you did the Don Wall, you're unbelievable. Is there a way for me to have a conversation and be, hey, man, like, what you, your book was really inspirational. You know, your climbing is pretty freaking awesome. Um, you know, I'm super impressed with what you've done, and I really learned a lot from your book, and thanks for all the lessons. I mean, I think the thing is, is, like, you can say that stuff, but that's, you're still, like, setting yourself up in a different mode with them. And I think that they, like, you know, you, when you say those things, you're just like, you're setting yourself up as, uh, this is another person who knows me from all these things and they just, like, they want, they appreciate those things and they don't necessarily appreciate me. Like, I, it seems to me that the thing that people most appreciate and when they're famous necessarily is just normalcy and just be like, you know, like if you run into them, you're like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? You know, like what I saw, are you up to now? I, what, what are you up to? Like, you know, I read your book. I thought it was super great. 
you know, was that really hard to write? Like, did you, was, you know, like, ask him a question about what he's doing rather than just telling him how good everything is. Like, yeah, yeah. Because I would feel the same way, I think, if someone was like, oh, man, like, it was so awesome that you did this. And I'd be like, yeah, thanks. Okay. You know, like, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to handle, like, people telling me that what I did was super great. I would rather... Um, and if you have a question about like how I did it or what my experience was, that's a way different, that's a way different ball game, right? Yeah. If you're like, you know, engage the person, bring, you know, talk to them about, you know, what they're doing. Don't ask them about like the most famous thing they ever did. No, I mean, don't ask them about the thing that everyone asked them about. My the, question for Tommy, and maybe this is what everybody asked him, but my question for Tommy was, um, you know, in his last year before he did the Don Wall. He started to train very differently. He started to follow who's the German guy, Alex something or other, who's like really famous sport. Magos? Yeah, that guy. He started to follow kind of more of his kind of climbing re- training regime. And I'd like to know more about kind of what that is and how like is there a reasonable way to adapt that to someone who can't spend eight hours a day training for climbing? Like what what should I be doing to to, to and maybe maybe at my level it doesn't really make sense to even consider that. Absolutely does not. But it would be interesting to know. Well, I mean, I think you have to you have to recognize that like like if anyone, well, first of all, you know, we've talked about our weight on this podcast plenty, but if anyone who's a high-level climber is going to look at they're like you're going to be like, "Well, like what did you do with training?" It's like they're going to be like, "Well, you know, you got to get fit." Right? right? The answer for you is not Alex Magos's campus board workout. So you'd be surprised. My campus board workout that I've been doing recently has much up my Talking game. Talking about hangboard or campus board? Campus. Okay. I've been campus boarding with feet. So campus boarding with feet, I got this new drill where I hang on the campus board, put my, uh, and try and make 100 moves. I've only gotten up to 60, and I've only done that once. Normally I end up in the 40 or 50 range because I climb pretty hard before I do it. But my finger strength has grown significantly in the past three weeks, and it's like stuff that used to be impossible. It's like no longer an issue. Well, the, I mean, that's obvious, right? Like, if you get finger strength, it will help, <laughs> right? Well, but like, I mean, I guess we just didn't, I guess I didn't realize how much I was hurting for lack of it. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, Adriel put me on this thing. I'm not sure we knew that how much of a difference it would give me. Yeah. But it's it's up my confidence. I mean, I don't want to put out there that, like, training can't help you. Right. It certainly can. That's not my suggestion. Okay, what are you saying then? But, like, when you're talking about, like, oh, well, what is what is it like going into, like, high-level training? Like, in the end, you need to be – you can't overstress your fingers and your tendons, and your fingers and tendons can only get so strong. Right. You know, if you're talking endurance – like, I always look at myself, and I'm like, well, it'd be really – I need to, like, lose a little bit of weight. And I do. I could be lighter. If I want to climb harder, being lighter is going to help me. Um, and yeah, training finger strength and campus board can help me too. Right. But like, I still, you know, like it, it's relative gains, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, uh, I read it, there was an article in a cycling magazine recently. It was like, ah, oh, this secret tip will help you climb hills 33% faster. And it was like, Louvre is five pounds. <laughs> As someone who cycles, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's like, it's that's legit, always. right? Like, I mean, you know, it's just like. How much but effort? Five how can much go to thirty percent? Wow, that's huge. How much wattage does it take to go up a hill? And like, 
you know, like you talk about bikes and they're like, oh, like, you know, I was like, I got this really nice light bike and I went from a 21 pound bike to a 16 pound bike. It's amazing. It's like, well, you're going to accomplish the same thing by like, you could you could accomplish more by dropping ten pounds of your own weight. Like the only time that like the only time that you as a cyclist really need to be like, well, I need to shave five pounds off my bike is is if you can't lose five pounds off your body yeah. and still be a well, performance who, athlete. As someone who just bought a heavier bike, like yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So you know the it's. You know, there's there's degrees, right? It's yeah, like yeah. obviously having stronger fingers is going to help you, but being thirty pounds lighter would make a huge like the the difference in uh you know how how much stronger you're going to feel on the wall with one compared to the other is crazy. Like you can do your campus board workout over and over and over again, and like you'll have really incredibly both. strong fingers, but then you know if you lose thirty pounds. You're gonna be crushing. You're gonna be crushing, and you're gonna be like, "This is unbelievable." You're gonna yeah. be like total mind blowing. You'll you'll be climbing five twelve in a week, and you'll be like, "What just happened?" Yeah, yeah. I got. Uh, we're we're getting on time, which is good. Uh, I have a couple of questions to ask. All right. That are slightly off this topic, and, and we can we can back. we can wrap up this topic. I mean, I think. Well, I've got here's my here's my question. Okay, is it on topic? It's semi related. This is like what I'm talking to Adriel about. Adriel asked me the other week. He. Very insightful man. Um, and by the way, fantastic coach. If anybody needs coaching, I can't recommend him enough. Um, he, I think he works out of both Belmont and Sunnyvale. He has coaching. been doing some private lessons in Belmont, yeah. So if you need, if you need somebody. He's setter AR. He's, I think he's not something one day a week, which is awesome. But he's, he's, he's been there a while. Um, and he's, he's really good at kind of like looking at what a person needs and adjusting. But the thing that he asked me is like, what are your personal goals? And... I, I have some silly ones, which is I'd like to look better. Like, I'd like to lose the weight so that I can feel better about the way that I look. Uh-huh. I think that's part of it. I think another really important goal for me is I want to climb more with my friends. I want to be able to, when they go outdoors, not be intimidated by the stuff that they get on. Um, but then in, in watching some, some videos this week online and then finishing the book, The Push, and seeing Tom and Caldwell, I think I also have a goal. And I guess I want to get your perspective on this because I sent it to him and he never responded back or hasn't responded back yet. Um, I'd like to do a big wall. And I don't, I don't mean climb. I don't need to climb. I could aid climb it. I could rappel down a big wall. Like, I just wanted to, I wanted to try and feel that exposure once. Is All that, right. is that crazy? Well, no. Is that hard? Uh, I mean, it's hard work. Okay. Um, I think, like, doing big wall climbing is more about, uh, you know, getting your systems dialed and stuff like that and, and working, you know, like working hard. Everyone will love hauling with you because you kind of use your body weight to haul. Okay. So I've got a giant body weight, so that's going to help. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me, uh, there was a forum I was poking around on. This was like probably a number of years ago. And somebody posted up a picture and it was kind of a big dude aiding up a wall and he was like yep yeah, on the fifth pitch of the south there something like that and someone's response was like oh man you can be fat and still aid climb <laughs> i just i just ordered two pizzas and a rack and a porter ledge <laughs> you know yeah. like and the you know aid climbing is is hard work but as long as you stick to it like there's yeah the kind it's the fitness required is totally different than uh, than climbing. I mean, uh, like than free climbing. Speaking of this, um, 
this going so back. yes, I totally think you can do a big wall, and uh, you know you got a lot to learn technically okay. before you do it, um, unless you hire somebody to just like take you up it, which I think is a much less rewarding experience, and you okay. should not do. You should learn the shit you need to learn, and you should do it. I mean, I'd like to learn. I think do you think it's something I can do in a year? Yes. Okay. You got to be motivated, though. I got to figure out what that. Let's let's talk. Maybe we should talk here, but let's let's save some time before we're talking about like what the planning for that is. Maybe that's a whole other episode. Sure, I'm not the best one to talk about about that. Who would probably be good? get somebody who's actually done some big wall climbing. Do you? When we assume big wall climbing, are we talking like you need to spend a night on the on the wall type climbing? Isn't that what you want? Not necessarily. I just want the. I want to feel the exposure. All right. Well, let's talk about it because I now I now I'm not quite as sure what you want. <laughs> okay. Someday I'd like to spend my, my a, a night on the wall eventually. Yeah, me too. But uh, but I'm not there yet, and um, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I, I really like so. I, so the other week I was at the staff competition. I got up and I was taking pictures of people. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Uh huh. Um, and that was a different perspective. I'd like to see if I can get some different perspectives for some photographs. And so I think getting up the wall anyway, cheating, French freeing, I don't care to get there, rappelling down from the top doesn't doesn't matter to me as long as, you know, I kind of want the experience. Okay. Which is, like, the exposure. That's step one. Step two is big wall climbing with a portal edge. But step one is, like, just getting some exposure somehow. Okay. Um, but, yeah, we can talk about that. I think this was an interesting thing. There was, uh, in the push, there was an overlap. There was a guy, I can't remember his last name, Guy named Cooper. He mentioned this guy named Cooper. Oh yeah, I know Cooper. Who used to be a, like an offensive lineman for Stanford or something uh-huh. like that. Who used to, who I think, used to climb with John Guy. Yeah, I've belayed Cooper. So I think Cooper like makes an appearance in this book, as as a guy. And they do. Uh, what's the what's the thing where you fall off the top of the wall? In uh, there's like a slingshot or something where you like I can't remember the name, but there's there's a thing where you fall like you set up you have a rope like a, a like a line hooked up. Um, and you, f- and you set up a secondary line. It's like a thirty foot line, and you you like belay off the end of the end of the rope, so you get a giant swing. I think maybe it's called the swing or the slingshot or something like that. The top of El Cap, but like Coop did it. Apparently, Cooper did it. And it was, I thought it was great. That was the one parallel. I'm like, I think I know who this guy is, that they're talking about. I've never met him, but he's in the book. Oh, okay. I thought that was kind of like hitting close to home. Our gym's pretty awesome, man. There's, like, really famous people there. And Tommy Caldwell showed up. Um, yeah. I mean, climbing isn't really that huge a community. So it's not surprising when, you know, dare I say, one of the nicest gyms in the major metropolitan area of uh, the San Francisco Bay Area has some relatively famous people come through. I'm just saying, I think... It, you, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I just, this book gave me a new appreciation for the place that we're at. And it gave me a new appreciation for you. Where we are. What? Yeah. Why? Well, because I was talking to a woman from the Bay Area Climbing Coalition. She said you were, she, you were her BFF. And so it's like, okay, Evan's also a pretty big deal. He knows other people. He could be, <laughs> he could be pimping this podcast to more than, more than the one person he pimped it to. I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, 
I'm a big deal because I knew someone that you didn't know that I knew? Pretty much. <laughs> you, you have connections to people. You know people. Oh, man. I don't know about that. It was, it was, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> but she definitely just referred to you as her BFF. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, um, let's see. There was, I think that was the thing. There was the Cooper thing. Oh, God. There's one other really great story I'm going to tell you about from this book. Okay. So t- when they're finishing the thing and the reporters are there, first of all, there was a reporter interviewing Alex Honnold, right? And they they mix they miss up his name. And they, instead of spelling it like Honnold, they t- they spell it Onyx or they say Onyx Alex Honlove. So apparently now he has a porn star name, Alex Honlove. Okay. Um, but they're talking to him about like you know about he's like yeah no because he's like Uncle Alex to to Fitz. He's like yeah I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Fitz up to see his dad at the top. He's like how are you, how are you, it's a pretty long hike how are you gonna get him up there? And he's like he's like well I'm, I'm, I figure I'll just you know. You know, put him in a backpack and then, you know, Jumar him up. And we'll just wrap down from, you know, put him in the backpack and wrap, or no, I'll tie him to my back and Jumar up. And then I'll wait down, we'll put him in a backpack and wrap down. And apparently it, it became such, like, a crazy thing that, like, the Patagonia people, like, actually were talking to uh, Tommy and said, it might be a good idea if he doesn't stick him in a backpack on the way down. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that without laughing, but it's really, to me, it's very funny that, you know, no big deal, Honolulu, just stick the baby in a backpack and lower down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, have you met this guy? Who Honold? Yeah, is he as is he as awesome as he sounds? Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Every time I've hung out with him, has been he's been chill. I've only ever really like hung out with him out at like the crag, you know. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like there's been a bunch of people around and no one's fanboying around him really. He just he, his sense of humor for things really gets me. Yeah. Like, I really dig his sense of humor. When he talks about, there's a video of him online that I was watching the other day, which I've seen, like, a bunch of times where he's talking about, like, his vegetarian lifestyle. And one of the videos, he's, like, he's like he talks about how he's kind of like a Mormon, except for, like, the whole, like, you know, women thing. But, like, in terms of clean living, he doesn't believe in God, because that's just crazy. But, you know, but he's like a Mormon. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, like, dying with laughter when, when Huddle is talking about being like a Mormon. He's just a funny guy. Okay. If you meet him again, you tell him that your co-host thinks he's a funny guy. I'm sure you won't because you don't tell anybody about this podcast. Apparently not even your BFF. But <laughs> you think we can get them on? Who? The Bay Area Climbers Coalition? Yeah. I'm sure we could. Let's, let's make that happen. Now, I think the more interviews, the better. The less just you and me talking, <laughs> the better this God, is. Does that mean you hate talking to me? No, I no, I like talking to you. I just think that uh, I think that... You and me just chatting will probably eventually lose its uh, allure. Allure. I agree. I think we need something to break it up. I well, I, I mean, the Bridget episode was our most popular episode by far. Well, I didn't do the math on the previous episode for very much, but like, I think it definitely was. I think, I think we're growing in popularity. By the way, yeah, I, can I mean, we 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 uh, really expanded our listenership by hitting her parents. <laughs> yes, we did. Well, so the numbers were, and I haven't checked recently, but the numbers were over thirty people. Or over thirty downloads, <gasps> at least two of them were me. So, 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 so at least twenty eight other people were listening. No, I think to. one of them was me. So okay, so I'm just saying, like, I feel like there are people who are listening to this stuff, and are we can no longer joke about only having two listeners because we have at least, at least, <laughs> at least four. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So my last question. 
Uh, so I'm going to Yosemite next week. I don't have anybody to climb with. I don't feel like bouldering. Uh-huh. Uh, get a good hike recommendation? Like, what, what would you do? Uh, it's kind of tough at this time of year. Um... Can I mean, I how, how much of a hike do you want to do? Can I hike to the top of El Cap? Yeah, you can, yeah. I don't know if it's, like, the pat, the trails are clear. <coughs> there might still be some snow up there. <coughs> I can handle a bit of snow. Don't you bring snowshoes? I don't know. And okay. there's certain levels of snow that you can't handle. You can't handle the truth. I well, I'm just saying that there's times when, uh, like, let's say, especially what you're talking about is like hiking from the valley up to the top of the rim. Yeah. Uh, most of those trails come down these big gullies. Oh, really? And then uh, in in the winter, snow fills up those gullies, and so what you get is a trail that's like switchbacking up a gully, and then like an entire sheet of snow is covering the trail. So you can't see on this it. steep slope. Mm-hmm. And then it's difficult to get across. Like, you could get across with, like, crampons and an ice axe. Do you guys sell ice axes? Where can I buy an ice axe? Do I need to go to REI? REI has them. Okay. I have, cramp- I have like, boot crampons. I don't know if I have, like, crampon crampons. I could buy those. I'm pretty sure you would know if you had them. Um, well, apparently, so Alex and, and Tommy did the Fitz Traverse with, like, tennis shoes and aluminum crampons. Uh-huh. Like, crazy, like crazy, like, little crampons. So I gotta go buy well, those tampons. That's Alex Honnold and Tommy Caldwell, and uh, you are neither. I'm not trying to do the Fitz Traverse. I'm trying to go up to the top of. Okay, so what about cloud dress? Can I do the cloud dress hike? Almost certainly not. Okay. They did open up Half Dome this weekend, if that matters. Okay, so maybe you could get to Clouds Rest. Okay. I'd probably say that's probably more likely. Okay. I don't know. So Clouds Rest is at almost 10,000 feet. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking. I, if I'm not going to climb, I want something audacious to hike. Like, I don't want to do I don't want to do the generic climb to, you know, like, I've done the Vernal Falls thing. I've done John Muir a couple of times. I've done Glacier Point, but Glacier Point's not going to be open, so there's, like, no point in doing that. The road to Glacier Point's open. Oh, really? I mean, if you're talking the four-mile trail up to Glacier Point. Yeah. Uh, I actually would recommend just going up Vernal and Nevada Falls and then just going as far up Merced River Canyon as you can. Okay. Like, it's really pretty back there. Okay. And you should be able to make it a ways back. Maybe I'll give that a go. I need to do something. But, I mean, like, in terms of, like, how long is an audacious hike? At least six hours. So, I mean, like, just getting to Little Yosemite Valley and looking at the backside of Half Dome is going to be a six-hour round trip. I've done that before, four and a half. Maybe maybe I didn't make it all the way to Little Yosemite Valley. I feel, like I, I feel like I did that light last time with my little brother, and we did it in, like, four and a half. To the top of Nevada Falls? And then came down the other way. It just came down. There's no other way. Oh, there's, yeah, there is the There's other two way. ways now. But, yeah, like, we came. That's we did that little hike. It was nice. I think we did, maybe it was five. I don't know. We we did it pretty quickly. Like we only had a quick morning. Well, I'm talking about like going way back in the Merced Canyon. Okay, could do that. Anything I don't know. else? Huh? Any other recommendations? Hikes. Twelve is not open yet, is it? Nope. Still plowing. Still plowing. Last update I saw was like two weeks ago. They were still at like May Lake, so they weren't even to Twelve yet. Oh wow. Uh, historically, 
when the snowpack is where it was on April 1st, like most recent time that the snowpack levels was the same, which is like 178% of normal. They opened on June 19th. Holy crap. I'll almost be gone for the summer at that point. And there was a there was one time previous to that where they opened on June thirtieth, when they had similar snowpack levels. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Awesome. I I think it's awesome that there's that much stuff that they have to take like that long to plot out. Oh yeah yeah. Have you read Have you read uh, the last season? No. Check out that book. That's a that's a saw. It's not. A, I don't think it's on tape. I think you have to read it. But the last season, solid book recommendation. About a ranger and a climber. Yeah, I know what it is. I just haven't read it. Solid other book recommendation. The last season. Okay, let's wrap this up. You're looking a little tired. Let's go. Let's go out and do something else. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. I was just wandering into topics that I think are not as interesting. I think people would like to know what to go hike in Yosemite. I don't hike from the valley. How's that? Where do you hike from? <laughs> Tuolumne. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've done... Like, I go to the valley to climb, pretty much only, and then when I'm going hiking, I go to Tuolumne, or I go elsewhere. I've done North Lake, or North Dome, from, like, uh, on my way to Tuolumne, on, was it, the, what, is that 120? Yeah. Yeah, so there's, like, a little cutoff, and you can do North Lake, or North Dome, which was an awesome hike. That was a phenomenal hike. We used to go there every year for my best friend's birthday, and yeah. stopped, but, because uh, I think we've exhausted most of the places. Um, anyways, we've exhausted the places. We keep on staying at the same place. We've stayed at Hodgson several times. We've stayed at Upper Pine several times. We've stayed at Tuolumne Meadows like three or four times. Like we've we've done a bunch. We haven't done all the hikes, but we've exhausted some of those places. And then the and then he's got other stuff going on around his birthday. See that? See that's a viewpoint that I don't understand at all. Like how? I mean, you've stayed in campgrounds, but like the campground is not the point of going to Yosemite. And like, there's no way you've exhausted all that Tuolumne has to offer. Bring it up with my best friend. We'll bring him in here. Yeah. I w- I will bring it up with him. Okay. His name is Aaron. You, this is you're going to turn this podcast into hardball. Hardball with Evan Doctor Pierce. That is a very strange way to say my name. I think I've tried to find a lot of strange ways to say your name over the years. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. I'm two. I actually I was down to two eighteen this week. Uh, I don't know. I'm right where I thought I was last time. So I'm, I'm, you just want me to sign off? You have nothing. I, I, what do you want me to leave them with? Some some great truism of life that I haven't shared in the past hour? No, I got nothing new. I'll keep on working on it. I appreciate you j- coming along with me on this journey. I feel like I'm getting closer. I'm excited about my weight loss. I'm excited about my finger strength. Like, I'm having a great time climbing. I cannot wait to get to the gym tomorrow. Um, what more you want? I want to know what we're going to go climb. I thought we were doing the manure pile buttress, or do you want to know when? Well, I mean, we wanted to do... I wanted to do manure pile buttress when we were talking about this in January. But now it's almost summer. So what are we climbing? There's a lot more possibilities in summer. Uh, want to do the crack on Half Dome? The what? Apparently there's a bunch of five sevens up part of Half Dome. I don't think you know what you're talking about. I don't know. I looked stuff up online. I saw five seven and Half Dome. You mean Snake Dyke? No. Not Snake Dyke. Like face. Like 12 pitches or something like that. Maybe not 12 pitches. Maybe like 10 pitches up Half Dome. Snake Dyke. That's Snake Dyke? That is Snake Dyke. I would like to do Snake Dyke. 
but that's not the same type of climbing, is it? As what? As like trad. Is snake tech trad? <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was sport. Uh, I have a lot to learn. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to approach that question. I, I mean, the answer is no, it's not sport climbing. Okay. There's pitches that are only bolted, but it's also pitches that are 100 feet long and have one bolt. So it's 100 feet before you get to the bolt or you're on the bolt and then... You, know, you climb 50 feet and there's a bolt and then you climb another 50 feet to the anchor. 100 feet, one bolt. That's pretty scary. It would be if it wasn't 5'4". Okay. Still sounds scary to me. Okay. That's why you're going to lead that pitch. But, well, uh, that's every pitch, man. Okay. There's like one There's like one five seven pitch at the beginning that's like crack and then a friction slab traverse. Uh, and then after that, it's a bunch of 5'4 dike climbing and friction slab with very few bolts. Yeah, a manure pot butcher sounds way more attractive than that. Yeah. So, well, I'm also saying that, like, Lover's Leap is a possibility. Isn't Lover's Leap in Tahoe? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, you know, when Tuolumne's clear, there's a lot a lot of possibilities up there. And honestly, we're looking at not climbing until June, middle of June anyway. We have to climb in the middle of June or it won't be until July because I'm out. Of, sorry, until the middle of August because I'm out in July. July, I'm gone. You should come to Rhode Island and hang out with me in your former digs. You're always gone, and I'm not coming to Rhode Island. You're going to miss out on the sailing season? I am definitely going to miss out on the sailing season. Nothing sounds more boring to me than sailing. You don't like sailing? No, not particularly. Oh, my God. I can't wait to go. I'm going to go like I don't day. sail, so to me, it's just sitting on a boat. You could learn to sail. I can teach you to sail. Yeah, I don't want to. All right, let's wrap this up. 218, you are... Uh, let's see. I don't. What is that? Put us at three hundred ninety-eight pounds of rock climbing power. That's phenomenal. That you are like less than a uh, hundred eighty pounds. You're doing great. I'm really proud. Right of you. at one hundred eighty. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, three. I might be less than one hundred eighty after my morning poop. <laughs> Doesn't that always feel great? 398 pounds of rock climbing prowess and power. Awesome. Prowess? I like I like using that word. <laughs> rock jocks for life, baby. All right, oh. sorry. Oh, we, dear. We're, we're out. Oh, dear.